where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I'm your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, checking to see if this thing has power. Dan Hornstein. <laughs> If you haven't heard us before, you're not, no, a- you got to explain that. You, and that's on you now. You brought it up. I don't need to explain shit. <laughs> no, but it was really funny watching you laugh. <laughs> so we were setting up, and my mic and interface wasn't working. And a, uh, I, I was like, "What's not working?" So I like moved to check and see if the interface had power and just straight inadvertently showed Dan McCrotch and Dan. And I said, does this thing have power? <laughs> Dan just lost it. <laughs> Laughed so hard, completely red in the face. And all I hear is him just laughing hysterically. <laughs> I really thought you were punking me. <laughs> no, that was pure accident. This is like, it was like that one time I did chat roulette. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so funny uh so if you haven't heard us before this is not a chat roulette podcast this is a music podcast uh dan and i each pick an album for the week and then we talk about it give a brief bio of the artist then we you know discuss what we like what we don't like things like that give some recommendations we enjoy your recommendations so if you want to reach out to us you can hit us up or you can hit me up on instagram at mr underscore pockets 21 or you can find dan on instagram at Dad dwight privilege and you can also send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com. So, Dan. Any emails week, or anything? Not this week. Okay. I had someone, uh, the listener, John, who sent in the message saying that he wanted us to review Hail Stan. You said he enjoyed that episode. Hey! All right, John. We didn't so, hear anything back from the guy that recommended Star Set, no. though, did we? I think he's Probably, gone. He's, he's long I'm, gone. He's... I'm pretty sure he's in a murder van plotting our deaths. Carried on. Listening to Starset the whole way. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Dear Stan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this week for first impressions. Well, actually, before that, this week we did kind of like an artist showcase. Yeah. The artist that we, we talked about was Tool, but I said, let's broaden it out. So we just picked Maynard James Keenan. So it kind of falls under the umbrella of all the stuff he's worked on. Uh, we are reviewing two Tool albums, and then one a Perfect Circle album, then one a Pucifer album. So for the first impressions, I picked the newest Pucifer—I can't even say that Pucifer album. And what did you pick for the new one or for I, the first impressions? Dan? Well, I picked the newest a Perfect Circle record called "Eat the Elephant." Mm-hmm. Do you want to get into that one first? Let's do it. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about A Perfect Circle and uh, just a couple fun things about, about Maynard James Keenan. I'm, I'm a, a pretty big fan of his music over the years, ever since the late 90s, early 2000s. I think it was right when I got into college. I got mm-hmm. really, really heavy into Tool, and then A Perfect Circle came out like right at the same time. And later on, I learned some kind of fun things about Maynard James Keenan that I thought are interesting. Number one, he was in the military which is mm-hmm. uh, really kind of interesting. Number two, do you remember the band Green Jello from the 90s that did the uh, the little pig, little pig, let me in? And the no. guy, oh, the hair of my chin, chin. Uh, Very weird kind of avant-garde metal band. They had like two songs, that one and the one that was like, the bear went over the mountain to see what he could see. And uh, Maynard James Keenan was in that band too, uh-huh. Which is kind of fun. And not only that, but uh, Tool came out at the same time and did a lot and were very close with Rage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Jones from Tool and and Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine went to the same high school and were like buddies in high school and stuff. So I think those are a couple of little fun facts about the bands. A Perfect Circle got... They're a band that came about when this guitar tech named Billy Howardell who did guitar teching for Tool, did guitar teching for Guns N' Roses, did guitar teching for Nine Inch Nails, was doing some stuff with some demo tapes. Maynard kind of overheard it. They they had a good relationship, and they clicked, and he said, hey, can I sing on this stuff? And they said, yeah. Next thing you know, they put a band together, and it was a perfect circle. And a perfect mm-hmm. circle has had several lineup changes 
in the course of their career, uh, different drummers, different guitar players assisting as well, but it's always kind of maintained. It's been Billy Howardell, who's really the creative force behind it. It's, it's his baby. And then Maynard James Keenan, who's helping with the vocals and the melody construction on it. Um, this new record eat the elephant came out in like 2018 and it's, it's gets my vote for probably one of the worst album covers. It's bad. It it's so it's a bad. really bad album. You know, we we every now and again we highlight like like yeah. really cool album covers and we go, "Oh yeah, it's a really cool." This one just, boy, what a swing and a miss. Yeah. It's it the cover of it is like half Billy Howardell, half Maynard James Keenan uh yeah. mixed together. It's like the two people kind of put together and they're holding a weird octopus that it's is It's an octopus that's like a heart though. It's an octopus that's a heart and it's also red, white, and blue. And there's, I think that ties yeah. in this, this, there's some political stuff that comes to, through on this record. Yeah. Um, as you start to listen to it, it's, that's a little bit of the history of the album. I, I, let me tell you my first impressions of this when mm. I've, I've had, I've been listening to this record for about three years now. This is the first chance I've gotten a chance to talk about it. I hate hate, 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 loathe with almost every fiber in my body the way that this album starts. I think the song <laughs> Eat the Elephant overall is a really good song, but uh -huh. it starts with what's possibly the worst drum sound I've ever heard in my entire life. And I remember listening to this for the first time and going, what the fuck? Did, what did they do? Somehow it resolves. I don't know. Like, I feel like I've, I've paid more attention to that track as time has gone on. Right. And by the end of the track, the drum sound sounds different, but to start it, that first 30 seconds is just grueling to get through. And then the melody comes in and the song starts to resolve itself. And I don't know why it does that. Um, overall, man, this is, this is, I, I'm a really big fan of everything a perfect circle does, but if I'm truly being objective, this is about a three and a half beard album for me altogether. Mm -hmm. It's got some high highs, but it also has some low lows. And unfortunately the low lows are low enough to where it's, it's really, it sort of detracts for me. The first half of this album, I think is stellar um kicks off with with some great songs like eat the elephant disillusion which is an amazing track the doomed which is a terrific track my favorite track on the whole album which is so long and thanks for all the fish uh <laughs> which has this kind of journey anthemic quality to it like don't yeah. stop believing but it's about a nuclear holocaust uh, and i think that's fantastic i really enjoyed talk talk as a song and i also liked buying down the river but really, after that, tracks 8 through 12, there are only a couple of high points to me, and that's parts of the song Delicious and parts of the song Feathers. The rest of it, tracks like DLB, Hourglass, and especially Get the Let Out, could have just done without those completely. <laughs> so what? That's, that's kind of it for me. What did you think? So this, I have not really ever listened to A Perfect Circle outside of like a guy in college I, I went to with college. He got their first record and he just played it all the time. And he basically killed it to death because he just played it too much. Yeah. He did the whole tool, tool guy thing with a perfect circle. Cause he did the same thing with tool. He killed tool and then he did the same <laughs> with a perfect circle. So I got so burned out on it that I just never listened to anything else by a perfect circle. Now, one thing I will say about Maynard James Keenan, he has one of the most unique, phenomenal voices I've ever heard, and he's a master of writing melodies. He is truly talented and gifted at what he does. I will say, I don't always think, at least in my opinion, it doesn't always match up well with whoever is playing the music with him. That is the one downfall of the, the, some of the people he works with or the bands that he's been involved with. When it's on, it's like just insane. It's like five out of five beards. It's it's on. Mm -hmm. When it's not on, it is bad. When this album first kicked off, I immediately said, what the fuck, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Dan can't like this. Dan has taste. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is this? 
And that kind of set the tone for this album. It was really hard for me to get into this. Okay. I do. One thing I do with this, think about this album. The vocals are great. Maynard is great. The songwriting of most of the songs I felt was lacking. There was a lack of cohesiveness on some things and then also a lack of just catchiness things that make me want to go "Ooh, i want to hear that again overall most of it felt rather just bland and blah and i've heard other stuff by perfect circle that was really catchy yeah so i didn't i was like what happened since the last time i heard this i was like i can understand experimenting and wanting to try new things but for me it felt like almost kind of like let's just kind of like throw something in there or like maybe they had an idea for something and it just didn't work like Maynard's vocals are great but it was just it was way too just mellow and slow and I know Maynard I mean I've listened to Pucifer before there's a lot of chill aspects to that stuff and he likes to do some different stuff too which was kind of interesting but it just the production was great I thought the production sounded good the instrumentation was good in a lot of spots but overall I'm giving this like a two and I'm giving, mm. I would give it a worse rating, but the fact that I, I know what these guys are capable of yeah. and I know what they can do. It's just for some reason, this one didn't do anything for me. And I know that there's probably a ton of perfect circle fans out there that love this and it's probably just doesn't resonate with me. So that's why I'm giving it at least a two, but overall it was rather disappointing to me. <laughs> it is, it is their worst album uh out of everything that they've done they really only Mm. have let's say two true albums okay Uh other than this one this would be their third album their first one meridanam which is the one your friend probably played out that that record is still phenomenal to me i i think that's that's a that's probably as close to a five as as they'll ever get uh their second record a couple years later the 13th step really tremendous record it's got some very interesting unique things on it that's the one where James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins played guitar. I thought that was really cool. Then they've got these two other sort of albums. One of them is, is an album of covers that mm, you can count it as something or not. It's got a covers and then they put a whole album out of remixes of their other songs, which is kind of decent, but it's remixes, right? Right. So after that, nothing from a perfect circle for many years. 12, yeah. 12, 12 or so years. And then this comes out and yeah, it is, uh, I, you know, look, I'm not going to fault you for the low rating because parts of this are really, it's work to get through. It's a slog. It's, parts of it are parts. a slog to get through, but the things I do love are the songs that I mentioned, especially like disillusioned. I thought it's great. I think the doomed is great. So long. And thanks for all the fish is just absolutely tremendous. That's, that's a highlight, high, high, high point on the <laughs> album for me. Um, the the one thing I will give credit there's a, there's a little more like sparseness to the instrumentation instrumentation that you touched on here mm-hmm. and I did like that when it was done what when it was done right I felt like it added some ambiance that was a good change of pace for the group but yeah let's let's kick it into gear guys we we kind of want to hear some of that old stuff so I don't know if if a perfect circle will do anything ever again I hope that if they do that it's a little more of a return to form for them. I, yeah, I hope for, I mean, if they do something again, I hope for something different because it just did not do what I hoped it would do. It was kind of a disappointment, but you know, I'm just being honest. (laughs) Yeah. And well, and unfortunately I think one of the things that you touched on about Maynard's vocal choices, his choices of melody and his, and we're, we're talking a lot about the later, part of his career. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. like we mentioned in our our last week episode, when we decided to do this, here's a guy that's in his late fifties and I'm impressed that his voice has held up as well as it has, but some of those creative choices that you're talking about, let's carry that discussion into Pussifer's album as well, because this is another area that I really felt it, uh, especially. So tell us a little bit about existential reckoning, your choice for first impressions. Other than Maynard being in there, I don't really know much about the band. I do know that there was kind of like a similar kind of thing with the perfect circle. Some people got together and they kind of just do it when they feel like it. There's been a lot of lineup changes. Yeah. One thing that actually caught my eye about this band 
is the funny costumes and they just are wacky and weird as hell. Yeah, this is a little more of let your freak flag fly. Yeah. With Maynard, and, I think. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm going to wear this ridiculous tan suit and a mullet and some aviators. And you talk about shit, shoving a whole roll of quarters up my ass and all this other stuff. Like, it's just weird. And yeah. so at first I was a. First, I was just like, okay, this is this is weird and different. Who is it? But the funny thing was, was before I heard Pucifer, I heard one of Pucifer's songs, and I was just like, oh, that sounds like Maynard. Must be, you know, somebody trying to sound like him. But then I looked it up. I was like, oh, no, it's actually Maynard. What was the song? <laughs> it was Bullet Train to Iowa off of this record. Okay, okay. Very cool. So this album has, uh, what I would say, a lot more like chill, atmospheric, ethereal, subtle electronic vibes and stuff to it. The the guitar work on this, when it's done right, it's mm-hmm. done phenomenally well. And it's done well because it's simple mm-hmm. and catchy. And that's one thing that I think Pucifer in this album, at least, they do really well, is when a song is on, it is on, on and it's on fire. And the simplicity of everything works together of you know the two vocalists going back and forth or singing together then harmonizing. It's just done so well. But once again, on this album... 30% of the songs are skippable. Yeah. It's it's a tough, full album to go to. The first four are pretty damn good. And then a lot of the rest are bad. My favorite track, though, is Bullet Train to Iowa. It's it's the, the music video is weird. It's just a it's got a killer groove. That's what it's got this just this drum driven groove with mm-hmm. the subtle simple guitars that just drive the song the whole way through and the lyrics just crack me up. Like he's sitting there talking about a train and going choo choo choo. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny and it make it's campy, it's weird, it's cheesy. It it take it comes out of left field and you're like what is this? I did but like it's that so one a lot. Good. Yeah, yeah I <laughs> it's did. It's so good. That's one that I liked as well. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think about it? Okay. I thought Pucifer is, Pucifer's for me always been really hit or miss. Mm-hmm. They've got, they've got, I think this is their fourth record and I've listened to all of them and there's really only one that I, I can say I, I kind of like all the way through mm-hmm. every other thing that they've done. I, again, same kind of thing. I love the idea. I love the experimentation just doesn't, doesn't ever hit me. And it's always the same complaint where I feel like the songs aren't really fleshed out as well as they could be, you know, that with a couple of revisions, couple, you know, go back in and really analyze, all right, what are we, what are we doing? Where's the song going? What's, what are we trying to get at here? Um, and, and I think challenge themselves to just get a little better on the writing. And I would like this band a lot more, but this is, this is, you know, a, a chance for, I think Maynard's like the primary songwriter here. So it's really his chance to just throw whatever idea that he has out there. And right. I, I think by the nature of some of that experimentation, you're going to end up with some things that feel incomplete. So I try to take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. what it ends up for me is I kind of always end up with a kind of bleh overall yeah. experience overall, to yeah. Pucifer. Um, and this album's no different. There's some things that I think are cool. The old synth kind of sounds that are, Throughout the whole record, uh, I yeah. read about that, and that was an intentional part for them that they really set out to do that. I thought that was very cool. Um, I agree with you. The, the 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 album begins really well. Songs like Bread and Circus is very good. Mm-hmm. Apocalyptical. Okay, really did not like that song the first couple of times I listened to it, but it grew on me, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird. Highlights for me are other other highlights. Bullet Train to Iowa, absolutely. Gray Area, I thought was really a lot of fun. Has some very cool too. stuff yeah. in there. And then uh, later on in the record, Fake a Front is, a, mm-hmm. is kind of a cool song with some different things too. But the real star of the show here, you touched on this a second ago, is Karina Round. Oh, and yeah. the way that she sings along with... Maynard James Keenan, their voices match really, really well together. And, you know, my other favorite record of them, the other one I like a lot called conditions of my parole. It, I think listening to this confirmed, that's what I like about that record is that's her introduction to the band. And she does a really good job. There's some tracks on there where they harmonize insanely well together and just terrific. I love when bands have, 
a male and female singer that can do that really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it's just butter. It's it sounds so good to me. But you know, overall, yeah, I the songs I liked on on Eat the Elephant, I liked a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But they have the same issue, so I ended up giving this one three beards and. APC, I gave 3.5 beards. Yeah, I gave this one three beards for overall the album. But there's like three songs on here that I think are just just phenomenal songs. And Bullet Train to Iowa is the best one. There's like a subtlety and like a smoothness to her voice that kind of just carries over with his and they blend so well. And like, I can just sit there and listen to bullet train again and again and again. I'm just like, it's just so smooth going through there. And it's got the, the, I think it blends very well with like the electronic drum snare that's going on in the song. It's really sharp. And so like that, like cuts through everything else and it's not a heavy song. It is a rock song, but it's not heavy. And it's got this like smooth, even chill flow with this distorted guitar. And the guitar work is great. And the, the guitar tone is perfect. Mm-hmm. That is just perfect guitar tone. It all blends together so well. And it's, it's just done so well. But great, great, uh, gray area is a great one too. So yeah, three beards for me. Yeah, uh, I think, um, I think there's room for improvement. And, Let's let's with that in mind, mm-hmm. let's carry this conversation over again into the new tool <laughs> record. Let's start with Fear Inoculum. Okay. So we can get all of the all right, let's get all the new stuff out of the way and then out we'll the go way. to what I would say is like some classic tool tracks. Um so tell me what your thoughts are on Fear Inoculum, Tool's first record in like thirteen years. In forever. In forever. Oh, yeah, I know. So, real quick before we touch on the album, I want to talk about Tool fans. So yeah. Tool, I, I never got into Tool because of Tool fans. And it seems to be, like, kind of a thing. It's less so common now because they aren't huge and on the radio constantly like they were. But back in the 90s and then the mid-2000s, early in the mid-2000s, if you said anything about any other artist to a Tool fan, you would immediately get an hour lecturing and talking to about how whoever you like is not nearly as good as Maynard or nearly as good as Tool. And these are all the reasons why you're wrong. And you can never get a word in edgewise. <laughs> and you would just be berated over and over and over for not thinking Tool is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And it's just these rabid Tool fans that would not shut the fuck up or listen to anything else. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, I understand you like Tool. That's fine. I see why you like it, but you have literally played <laughs> Lateralis nonstop for three years. Can we play something else, please? Yeah. Other records have come out, guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, it wasn't like every Tool fan was that way, but most of them that I knew personally were. It was like, dude, so-and-so. I'm not going to say his name. I think of a few of them. I'm, dude, shut up. Stop. We've had enough. We're not <laughs> driving in your car to the movie because we're not listening to Tool. We're taking my car. Well, fine. I'm going to take my car so I can listen to Tool. That's fine. Ride by yourself. You I actually don't care. had somebody do that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, I'm done with this. It, I was like, it's that much of a problem. Oh, my your God. group of friends is tired of this. Dude, that's hilarious. That's really funny. That's so funny. You want to hear something even funnier? I was kind of like that. (laughs) I wasn't, I hopefully wasn't as bad. Um, But yeah, man, we had, I had some friends of mine that were, uh, we were all big music heads, but we were, in hindsight, we were equally obnoxious. We all had like the one band that we were just totally obnoxious about. I just happened to be the guy that was a little obnoxious about Tool. There was another guy that was like a friend of mine, great friend he was way too into jam bands and widespread panic and wouldn't shut the fuck up about widespread panic. (laughs) And then there was another friend of mine that was like way into something nine inch nails. He was like the biggest nine inch nails fan and stuff. And it was, we appreciated that we could have like a back and forth dialogue and stuff. And Mm. I, I like a lot of the, I like 
what what Tool's done a good job of that I got hooked on at a young age is there's a mystique to it. There's a mm-hmm. there's a creativity to it. You get to it's fun. There's enough kind of things that they put out there that feel like a puzzle, and it's fun to try to solve it and get into it and things like that. So I I nerded out over that side of things the same way that I think um, people did for Led Zeppelin and their sort of you know thing with the occult or Rush with mm-hmm. I don't know fucking Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. And so. Um, I just kind of got into it for that. But yes, I was also self-aware enough very early, <laughs> like very quickly. I, I, I found that I grew out of that. And by the time 10,000 days came out, which was their mm-hmm. record in 06, mm-hmm. um, I, that was really the first thing that tool had done where I kind of went, yeah, this isn't, this isn't as good guys. You know, uh, it's, it's again, some really strong stuff here, but that record overall was the uh, really the first, uh, uh, not chink in the armor, but really kind of like first sight that, okay, you know, they took five years to write this and this was the best that they did. And I felt like it was a little overindulgent in, in some places. So I love the band always have been a fan for them for 20 plus years, but I'm willing to walk through this objectively. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so I like when I do have when I do have something I have to say about this album or Lateralis when we get to it later. This comes from somebody who does not spend hardly any time. Like the most Maynard I've heard is listening to the song he did with Deftones, Passenger. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I came into this. I was like, okay, I'm coming into this objectively as I can. Because I'm not going to let my past experiences with some jackasses ruin this for me. Okay. So I came into Fear Inoculum with very little. I had listened to parts of it before because when it came out, my friends told me to listen to it. And I did. But it was kind of one of those things I had on in the background while I was doing other things. So I didn't sit down and listen to it. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, I sat down. And here's, here's the thing. I don't like long songs. I fucking love this album. Really? I I don't it's I was completely shocked. Fear Inoculum, it's the the sound effects of this and Numa, the the way they incorporate sound effects into this just immediately caught me off guard because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like more other tool stuff, prog rock, yeah, some sound effects and stuff. But this album has a weirdness and a darkness to it that I wasn't expecting. Fear Inoculum is great. It's a great starting off track, I think. The fact that it's long doesn't bother me. Numa, another long song. The guitar riffs on these songs, especially uh, the first three full tracks, Fear Inoculum, Numa, and Invincible, the guitar work just blows me away every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Invincible especially has some really well, like some good, clean stuff going on in it. Yeah, and that was the first thing that jumped out at me. Okay. You know, like all of all of the music is is just phenomenal. Like the bass work, the drum work, the even Maynard's vocals are good. Um the the vocals are mysterious and vague, so you're like what the hell is going on here? It's like a Chino from Deftone song. You're like I have no idea what he's talking about. It could be anything. There's a lot and of similarities, it, yeah. It it makes it really fun and you're kind of it kind of gets you thinking and you're like what is this? It's just really, really fun and interesting. Uh, the first half of this, uh, I'd say the first six tracks, minus the interludes, the interludes are totally skippable. I could have done without the interludes, and they could have added in. I mean, even if they were just to like, okay, w- to give it 10 tracks, we'll put in these three interludes. Fuck the interludes. Just do a seven-song album. So you know that the, fun fact, uh, the CD... Uh-huh. version of that doesn't have any of the interludes. They only put that in for the digital releases. Really? I yeah. Didn't know so that. the CD itself is just the seven songs. Okay. Then I think I got fucked on the digital version because I would have liked that way better. Yeah. So, and, and I agree. I think that in the past where tool has used those kind of interlude tracks in a more creative way here, it was just, uh, and, and this is going to get into a little bit of my kind of, uh, start start of my my thoughts on the record as a whole. Um, it feels a, it feels a little too paint by numbers mm-hmm. for me. It feels like 
all right, well, this is obviously a tool record and it's tool paint by numbers. And I was, what I was hoping for was that after 13 years, they would go in a little bit of a different direction, but there are some hallmark things that are very present in here that while I still very much enjoy, um, I've heard it before. Right. And it's, and it's, I've heard it on, when we talk about lateralis, I've heard it there and I've heard it on 10,000 days <laughs> and I heard it on Anima back in the nineties. And so, you know, uh, every song is going to end with, you know, some kind of syncopated little thing that they all do together. Uh, right. I think that this song has some, yeah, it has some really great melodies. Uh, overall, I, I, I can't say this enough. I like the album. Okay. Uh-huh. I really do the very much enjoy it. Um, but I also feel like there are, are a lot of places on this record where it, it's, it dragged on. Um, there are, there are a few tracks. Numa is one invincible is another where they suffer from the fake out ending. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, plush you remember plush like yeah. where everybody thinks it's over and yeah. like there's even like the the acoustic version of plush yeah. that that stp play where like they they get to the part right before they're about to bring it back and everybody starts clapping yeah because like <laughs> that's the natural place to end the song guys yeah. <laughs> like we all know it yeah there's um there's a few parts on there where i feel like they they could have wrapped the record before um the one thing where they did grow on this record to me was there's, there's more complexity to the songwriting. This is the most proggy thing Mm -hmm. that I think tool has done. And sometimes it's fun, right? Like, like parts of Tempest. And then sometimes it's like really tedious, like parts of Tempest. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, it's, um, you are right about that. But the thing that I keep coming back to is for someone like me who does not enjoy, like in eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes is kind of pushing it for me when it comes to like the length of the song. Outside of like Numa and maybe Invincible, but I like Invincible so much, I don't care that it's long. Mm-hmm. The and Invincible and I, has the most cool grooves. And I think that's why it's I that think there's, there's enough of that. Like when, but. Like that's when Danny Carey just finally he's like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to play in four, four. Cause this is badass. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're just like, Oh shit. And he's in the pocket and it's just like, you cannot help, but just get super into that. So yeah. I'm with you on that one. hundred percent. The first half of this album is easily much better than the second half. Not that the second half is bad, but f- however they arrange this, the first five, well, first, whatever. Cause there's the, at least for me, the interludes, it's it's really good. I do enjoy the latter half, but I found myself getting to like descending and then wanting to go back to Fear Inoculum and listen to the first tracks again. Descending is probably the last track on here that I really liked as well. Um, and that's a very cool song. That's one that, that uh, well, that one, I think Culling Voices comes after that. And I like that song too. Yeah. I thought that one, I thought that one was very moody and I liked that. Calling, calling voices is decent too, but like chocolate chip trip, Tempest, mocking beat. They're, they're decent, but it's not something I'm like, I'm going to go listen to this. Yeah. Chocolate chip trip is, uh, the only interlude that I enjoyed. Yeah. That, yeah, it was a tolerable interlude. (laughs) And it was, it was just because it's Danny Carey, you know, kind of going bananas over this weird, syncopated synth arpeggiated thing for yeah. about five minutes. And I'm like, God, this guy's just incredible. I will say there, uh, when I, when this fir- album first came out, I thought Numa was kind of a weak track. Mm-hmm. There's a version of them playing this live that is pro shot for whatever drum, uh, kind of gear that Danny Carey uses. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, three cameras all and it's just on Danny Carey. You don't see the rest of the band for the entire performance. So it's mm-hmm. all Danny Carey playing this live at a concert playing Numa and holy shit is it good. It sold me on this. the rest of the song. Um and I, I walked away going, okay, yeah, that and you can hear like, oh, the rest of the band's like killing it. They're crushing it. Um yeah. but man, Danny Carey just fucking rocks on that one. Um so final thoughts, I think for me, I feel like um I like that it's a more meditative record. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to describe it. There's, there's 
more care in crafting an overall mood here than there was in their last release, 10,000 Days. And I'm very appreciative for that. And I thought they did a good job. It is a little bit tool paint by numbers for me. I wish that this album had some more dynamics. That's my only complaint with it. It's very well done, but Mm -hmm. everything's at the same volume. And when we start talking about lateralis here, one of the things that I really appreciate in lateralis is the loud, quiet, loud dynamic that's mm-hmm. done really well about that. So I, I ultimately it's three beards for me, maybe like pushing three and a half, but it would be like a really light three and a half. I'm giving it four. I really enjoy it. I think overall it's a great album. Uh, it's definitely something I'm going to keep in my rotation and listen to. I'm going to so. keep listening to it. I'm, I'm my rating's a little biased because I'm comparing it to some records that I hold very, very dear to my heart, you know? Yeah. So now we need to go on to Lateralis, which, by the way, those of you who don't have Apple Music, get it so you can see the in motion. The oh, animation. It's oh, it's freaking so... Freaking amazing. Man, okay, so <laughs> let's talk again about album art. Like, that's the cover of Lateralis... When I bought that CD, I was that was I was the guy that like went to get it at midnight the day it came out. Okay, mm-hmm. um, one of the few times I, I went and did that for a record, and it's you get the CD out and it's in a black sleeve and you can't really tell what's going on. And you pull it out of the black sleeve and that's where Tool Lateralis is written, and then here's this cover and it's mm-hmm. this psychedelic image. And you flip through and it's all the booklet, the whole CD booklet is like transparent. And each one is like a little layer of Mm -hmm. that figure. And it goes, and it's so the animation that you're seeing in Apple music, where it goes from Mm -hmm. skeletal to muscular to eyes to then the third eye and like the flame shooting up and stuff is that's the booklet. As you flip through, it's those same images, just each one kind of layers on top of each other, like a medical journal does Uh where it's anatomy and it kind of does that same thing. And that's one of the coolest to this day packages for an album and for the art of an album that I've ever seen in my life. I think that's just outstanding and it's so cool and very representative to me of the record itself and kind of like thematically here's what's going on in this record. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to have my thoughts on lateralis. Let me, Uh let, let me pass the ball over to you (laughs) first. So I don't just talk us for 30 minutes. (laughs) So, um, for this record, I have heard this one, not by choice a lot because of other people. Um, I've heard mostly like the, the grudge schism lateralis, the first half of this, you know, ticks and leeches, parabola, parable, just gobs and gobs and gobs of gobs to the point where it wore me down. Great songs. Um, specifically with the grudge schism and lateralis, I struggle with those just because I heard them way too much. I can sit there and I can appreciate what they're doing and like, wow, this is just some phenomenal artistry and music writing and artistic talent and musicianship. But I just struggle with it because it immediately puts me back in that place of, dude, stop playing this record. So you've got got some... Predisposition, some some right. preconceived notions going into it that you couldn't shake. I get that. It, it was it was it was tough. Overall, it's a good record, and I'll be honest with you, I wanted to like this more than I did mm-hmm. because I can sit there and listen to it and go, I can understand why this is like one of the greatest prog rock albums ever. It's just unique. It's very, very, just very different and weird, and there's a lot of complexity to it and there's so much cool stuff in it that you just like the the base work and it's the thing i like about this too this album is that it's not overproduced yeah it's it's kind of like a raw musical experience that's what i'm looking for those are the words it's a musical experience it's not just i'm gonna put some music on in the background no this is i'm gonna sit down to this and I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Because this is a journey through music that you're going on. And that's what makes this special and what makes this unique. 
My journey, unfortunately, was tainted by young 20-year-old jackasses, but <laughs> it's still a cool journey. Once I could sit there and go, it could calm down. Dude. This is really good. Appreciate this for what this is. <laughs> I wish I wish you would have hung out with my crew uh, in, instead of those dorks that you were hanging with. So <laughs> we had we had a lot of fun with this record. This is um, when this man when this came out. This was then, and you know you look you have periods of your time where you look back and and you look on them with a certain amount of fondness. And while I would never want to repeat. I would never want to like have a midlife crisis crisis where I'm chasing this again. Uh, Doing it when I did was fun. Um, And one of the things that me and my friends would do, we would, we would took a lot of acid back in the day. (laughs) Like (laughs) this is 20 years ago. Okay. I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations is long enough. I can talk about it now. And we listened to this record and that's one of my early off. One of my favorite things about this is not only is it heavy rock, but this is a psychedelic record. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways to me. And Tool is a very psychedelic band overall. Um, What's interesting about the contrast between this album and like Fear Inoculum is like Fear Inoculum is like a bunch of guys in their mid fifties being, you know, still being psychedelic, but like, right. It's, it's a little more like Ravi Shankar and I'm meditative now. (laughs) Whereas this album is more of like, let me see how much LSD I can cram into my body. And you know, call it what you want, but I'm going to, I'm going to walk out of it with something, with some sort of experience. Um, hard critiques. One of the, some of the things that they do very well on this record from a songwriting capability, I gotta give mad credit to the balance between Adam Jones on guitar and Justin Chancellor. This was the first album that was written with Justin Chancellor Anima was the first record he played on, but mm-hmm. here coming in was his first like, all right, I'm a principal songwriter. I'm now a, a full, I'm a full-time member of the band. I've been touring with you guys. I, you already had the other songs written for Anima and I just played the bass parts that were already written on it. But coming right. into this, there's so much interplay between the guitar player and the bass that is so fun to listen to. And what I love is that the bass takes center stage often where, you know, Adam Jones is kind of holding down the rhythm and it affords Justin Chancellor the opportunity to do some very unique bass stuff coming in on tracks like schism uh in the little mid part where uh it's the it's the down the down part of schism where adam jones is playing that sort of just those things in thirds that are kind of jumping up and down the scale and here comes justin chancellor and he's matching it but he's got that really great octave effect on his bass and it's got the delay coming in and it's off time which Oh, it's so yeah, good. It's, it like, works, like, though. It's, it's great. It's so much fun, and I love that. Um, so I love the way that the bass takes more of a center stage. I love the way that they trade off of the melody, and they know how to play off of one another. Um, I, I think that by far, um, there's such good use of dynamics here, how in The Grudge it kind of kicks off, and there's even, you know, when it, it, it's it starts heavy, but then it gets heavier, and then they yeah. back it off. And when they back it off, there's a there's a noticeable change in volume, and I really like that. Uh, mm-hmm. The point where it really kicks off for me is tracks two and three. Track two is sort of that little guitar interlude that goes into the song "The Patient," and the patient is so quiet that you you turn it up, yeah. and <laughs> when it hits. It's such a volume change that it's it's startling. I remember hearing that for the first time and just kind of jumping out of my seat because I didn't think it was going to get that loud. Right. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I wish more bands would do that kind of stuff and play with the loud, quiet, loud dynamic that the, mm-hmm. I know I'm stealing from the Pixies. That's sort of their thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... It's such an accurate representation of what I like. And when I love, I love when bands can do that. Um for me, man, the, the, uh, yeah, the loud, so the loud, quiet, loud dynamic is very good in the patient and parabola and then ticks and leeches sort of that midsection point before it kicks in mm-hmm. towards the end of that song. And that is that kick in is hard. And then in lateralis, which is, um, this is a record where as opposed to other records that like we talked about where like fear inoculum, where the first half it's kind of starts so strong. I think this album is probably one of the better finishers, uh, of that I've heard starting from track nine and going on from there, the 
three tracks, disposition, reflection, and then, um, uh, oh gosh, I'm going to mess up the, the name of it. What's that little instrumental track that they have? Uh, not the Faib the Oad, uh, but there's, there's one that comes after reflection. That's triad. Just a, triad. Thank you. Um, those three songs kind of play like a little musical trilogy to mm-hmm. me. There's like act one, act two and act three, and they all carry into each other very well. Um, other things I like just, you know, nitpicking here, the, the intro to lateralis, the, the way that the opening riff is played. And then the, you hear that little, and then the drums start to match it. Love that. I love the midpoint of lateralis where the bass is just holding down that one note going, and then flip over to the end of that song, which is just one of the most gigantic sounding things in the world to me, uh, where it's the guitar just holding that one note going dan and it, dan and it, dan, and the bass comes in with bow, bow, yeah. bow. <laughs> and it's the sort of the big climax of the song. And that that's probably my favorite single point on the record is that little passage right there. And then everything else that carries out. I even really enjoy the, the closing track on there, which is the very scary kind of sound, yeah. uh, the drum sound that's very distorted and heavy. And then you get that weird prank call of the guy talking about <laughs> area 51 and the aliens are coming and stuff. Yeah. So fitting, such a great way to wrap up this record. Um, I hate that you had such a bad experience of this in the, in the early, early 2000s because i had such a good experience with this <laughs> in the early 2000s um this is this really is it's been a very important record for me uh a long time i think lyrically it is it's cumbersome all of maynard's lyrics are cumbersome um but there are some there's some very poignant uh things that are said in this record that i think are very uh positive and hopeful in a mm. lot of ways and and it, it's a it's a very it's surprisingly optimistic of a record for as heavy as it is right. um it's a five beards for me i could i could really gush about this record all day this is this is one of my top 15 records of all time and it's because I it it came out and it was so important to me at a, such a, a crucial kind of turning point in my life. Right. Um, I'm sure if I were to come at it with a different viewpoint, I could probably find some things to have fault with it. But man, this is their this is their best record, you know. And and I don't think they've been as good ever since. I'm giving it a four. Okay, that's it's, higher than I thought a, you were going to say. I thought you were going to be like two. No, I have to, like, two and a half. Can, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to be honest. Like it's while certain events kind of traumatized me you could say <laughs> <laughs> i still can sit there and go that I, I can see why the, what makes this great yeah and i can appreciate that and i'm not going to just shit on it because somebody else was like i'm playing this song for the four millionth time today <laughs> i mean i get that and i also i will tell you when we started on this uh real recently i just because they were talking about it, it's like the 20th anniversary of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started listening to it again, probably for the first time in six or seven years, just because mm-hmm. so much other music has come out. I don't want to be that. I never want to be that guy. That's always like, I only listen to the music I listened to when I was 22. Shame mm-hmm. on me for that, because there's some tremendous music out there. And I always want to go and find new things to listen to. Um, but it was really fun to revisit this. And there was a lot of nostalgia there. Oh, I'm sure. I had to fight the nostalgia to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not nostalgia. That's that's repressed trauma. Trauma. Yeah, that's, trauma, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> that's PTSD. Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, so what do you have picked for next week? Oh shit, man! I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> I've been thinking about it. Okay, I I'm gonna I'm gonna I've got to do I got to follow my heart here and i'm gonna go i'm gonna do another artist spotlight you don't have to do an artist spotlight at all um but a new record just dropped mm-hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna really I, I want you to know mark i think you're a tremendous guy you're a good friend <laughs> You have my sincerest apologies going into this. Okay. 
It's going to be a rough week for you. Okay. <laughs> Alexis Marshall is uh, my artist spotlight. Alexis Marshall's new album just came out called House of Lull, period, House of Win. This is probably the best way I can describe it. I, I only listened to like one or two songs so far. Alexis's singing style is the closest thing to David Yao from the Jesus Lizard that I've heard in a long time. It is very, it's, you know, picture like Nick Cave. Remember when we did him? And it's yeah. it's that kind of talking through s- style. Uh-huh. But this guy is a madman. He is absolutely insane. He's a wonderful poet, but he's just completely bonkers. Okay. We're going to do two records that he's on his new record house of lull house of wind. That's going to be my deep dive, but for first impressions, and I'm going to ask you to listen to this first, we're going to do the most recent record by his, his band that he's known for daughters. Okay. And that record is called, you won't get what you want. It's an older record came out in 2018. It is, it was, was my favorite record of 2018. Still one of my favorite records of the past five years. Easily. This is noise rock perfected here is a band that does the most creative shit i've ever heard with noise and atmosphere and there's some great dynamics in here and then you put just like this madman just ranting insanely lyrics over the top of it and it's phenomenal to me uh, so i'm excited <laughs> to dig back into daughters um Fun fact about Alexis Marshall, I've never seen Daughters, Daughters Live. I can't wait to go see them. Um, it's a band that I, I really want to hang out in the back by the mixing board on, um, uh-huh. partly because he has a tendency to like like spit and piss on the audience. He, uh, dude's got, so you know Wesley Willis? Remember how yeah. he had his, his yeah. uh, forever kind of scar here? Uh, Alexis Marshall has one similar. He gets so into his performance on stage, he starts slamming the microphone into his head and starts bleeding all over the place. He's like very much known for bleeding a lot on stage, sort of in the same way that like Iggy Pop used to with the Stooges. And I don't know why, but that's the coolest shit to me. So so we're going to do deep dives on um, Alexis's new record and a first impression on Darters. Okay. So for my first impression, we're going to do the single Direction. By Hugh, H-U-G-H. It's just a single, electronic. Is uh, his last name Jazz? No, just... <laughs> cock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, and then we're going to do uh, a DJ mix I ran into accidentally just browsing through iTunes that came out like a couple weeks ago, and it's amazing. It's uh, by Conroe, not the town. Because that would suck. <laughs> but Conroe, C-O-N-R-O. Okay. And it's called Monster Cat 10-Year Instinct Number 1. It's a horrible title. It is a very weird title. It, it's a terrible title, I'll be honest. But it's uh, a mix this dude did, and it's really enjoyable. And it's and by I, Conroe? Yeah, Conroe. Okay. I will look up Conroe. I'm excited for this week. And then, so just so you know what's coming, we talked about this last week. I got a couple of like noise records that I want to get through. Uh-huh. Th- this is one of them and it's, it's brand new. So I'm, I'm just dying to dive into it. <laughs> um, but then later on, I've got some very chilled out stuff that I want to get to. I've got some jazzy kind of contemporary jazz and Neo soul. I've got some indie pop, indie rock that I want to get into. So we're not going to continue down this path forever. I promise. <laughs> um, I could, but you'd break up with me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you worded that. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay. Well, cool. I look forward to it. And, uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you all next week.